It's time for Mac Geek Gab, and I have our quick tip of the week. I've mentioned this a few times in passing on the show. It is super valuable to, I find it super valuable, to store all of my screenshots from all of my Macs in a shared folder so that no matter where I took a screenshot, be it in the office, the studio, or on my laptop, I can always see it on all of my Macs. And I do this using Onyx, uh, the free software that you can use to do all kinds of tweaks. You can set the location of screenshots. You can change it from being on your desktop to, say, a Dropbox shared folder or an iCloud Drive shared folder. And then you're good to go. It's synced everywhere. More quick tips like this, plus your questions answered, and maybe some cool stuff found today on Mac Geek Gab 978 for Monday, April 24th, 2023. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and indeed, welcome to Mac Geek Gab, the show. Where we send, where the point is that we each learn five new things. That's the point. We do that by sharing, and sometimes we'll even play that sound if it's something really cool that we've learned. We do that. We learn those five new things by sharing quick tips like we just did. Sometimes there are, sometimes they're yours. You send them into feedback at MacGeekGab.com and we share them. You can also send in your questions, which we will answer, and cool stuff found that, uh, that, you know, it's just cool stuff that we've all found. It's it's a good name. It's not clever. It's just a name. We stitch that all together into the agenda. We loosely follow it. And maybe, hopefully, we each hit our goal. Sponsors for this episode include Private Internet Access. PIAVPN.com slash MGG is where you can go to save 82% off your VPN service plus four free months. ShadyRays.com slash MGG because you want to be able to get two pairs of sunglasses for the price of one. You buy one pair, you get a second pair free. And then Honey at JoinHoney.com slash MGG, the tool, the free tool that scours the internet for promo codes and automatically applies them to your shopping cart. We'll talk more in depth about each of those in a few minutes here. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in pollen-infested Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Ron. And here in Lee, New Hampshire, is Pilot Pete. Glad to be back, guys. It's glad. I'm glad that we're all back. I'm glad we're yeah. all here. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. good stuff. It's good stuff. All right. Should we, uh, should we keep rocking with these quick tips here? John, you want to, uh, you want to take us to Steve? Yeah, here's a here's a good one or a bad one. Um, uh, hi guys, today I learned a handy little iPhone trick. Did you know you can tap the back of your iPhone as a shortcut to a whole host of quick features? Go to Settings, Accessibility, Touch, Back Tap, and then choose one of the many options. And uh, Boy, there's a ton of options, and you can and you can have two back taps set. You can have one for two taps and one mm -hmm. for three taps. And yeah, you're right. The options are almost endless because you can link to a shortcut. So write your shortcut or create your shortcut, and then back tap mm -hmm. can trigger it. But it can trigger all kinds of things. They've got a ton of stuff in there. 
Yeah. Right. And then the others, app switcher, camera, control center, flashlight, home, lock rotation, lock screen. I'll stop. You can see it for yourself. But um, a funny little story is I was experimenting with this feature once, and then I forgot that I had because every now and then when I was out and about, the control center would come up on my screen. And I'm like, why are you doing this? And I'm like, oh, right. I set that in the past. So, yeah. John, you outsmarted yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that term. <laughs> um, and I, I do it to myself. I outsmart myself all the time. Uh, I found I had it set to do screenshots with either a double tap or uh, a, a triple tap. And I had to change that because it will it will false trigger this. So make it something that's not going to. Yeah, you know, at least be aware of that. Yeah. You know, I used flashlight and ran my battery down a couple times. Mm-hmm. I went, All right, done with that. <laughs> that was going to be my my next piece of advice was maybe don't do this with your flashlight. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, DJ Mac in our Discord at MacGeekUp slash Discord, another place you can share tips and cool stuff found and answer questions. And what's cool is it's not just us there; it's everybody there, right? I mean, we're all everywhere. Because we're the Mac Geek Cab family. But uh, it's not just us answering your questions. It's it's the entire community answering your questions. But DJ Mac shared a quick tip there. Uh, I had no idea. You can use, con- in, in on your Mac, in the Messages app, you can use Control Tab to jump to the next message in line. And similarly, as you might guess, you can use Shift Control Tab, so adding Shift to that, to go to the previous message, assuming you're not at the top. Um, and which I had no idea. And it was one of those things. I, I like many quick tips. He mentioned it in passing uh, while saying this was the only way he was able to find and get rid of uh, the, the unread messages badge because they weren't showing up anywhere else, but just, you know, kind of, you know, going through the whole thing made it work. So, Sorry if that. Uh, uh, welcome to Mackie Cab ASMR. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Sound effects. Sorry. Exactly. Sound effects are us. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I have a keyboard maestro set up, so Control Tab doesn't work for me, but Shift Control Tab does go backwards. Oh, because you're not you're not intercepting that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I got to go in and figure out how to un- undo that one. Yeah. Yeah. That is sort of the the interesting thing about running keyboard maestro or or anything that's you know yeah. triggering actions based on your keystrokes. Because sometimes it will get in the way of things that the OS can do. I think we ran into that with the app switcher too, right, John? Like you, I forget, you, you had one, or maybe it was you, Pete. I guess it was you that had your, the keyboard maestro app switcher came up and you started sharing a tip about it. It's like, um, Pete, I don't think it works that way. And it was like, oh, but well, it does, right. I does for that, you. Yeah. It does for you. <laughs> works for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's the matter with the rest of you? <laughs> <laughs> keyboard maestro is awesome. I, I can't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's one of those. I, I I did nuke and pave the studio uh, iMac here, so I am still on Monterey, but I am on a very very fresh install of Monterey. No migration assistant, no jankiness coming from you know the downgrade from Ventura. It was a proof of concept, and it was a good one. I did hear from Apple, and they implied that this should have that this is expected behavior. What the problem I was seeing is expected behavior, and implied that it would have happened in Monterey, and I, I was thankfully able to prove that was not accurate. So maybe they'll take a look, but uh, but for now I'm on Monterey. But 
Keyboard Maestro was one of the very first things I installed up here uh, because, I, like, otherwise I wouldn't be able to do the show. Like, not, it wouldn't, just wouldn't happen. So, uh, Gary next, John? Gary says, just listen to the latest podcast and you talked about the caller who had to boot his Mac into safe mode to get his Apple Watch to unlock his Mac. On a somewhat related note, and I believe you may not have been aware of this at the time of the recording, but Apple released emergency updates to macOS Ventura iOS and iPadOS. macOS Ventura 13.3.1, iOS and iPad 16.4.1 were released last Friday, April 7th, 2023. Several Fridays ago at this point. This email is mm -hmm. a couple weeks old. Just, uh, you know, just. I don't want yep. people to think they're listening to the wrong episode, but yeah, keep going. Sorry. Uh, besides the active exploits that were discovered and reported to Apple, the update addresses the Apple Watch not being able to unlock an iPhone running the original 16.4 or a Mac that was updated to 13.3. If anyone who has um, Ventura uh, and or iPhones that suddenly lost the Apple Watch unlock, hit your software update section in system settings. Keep up the good work and don't get caught. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, don't get caught yourself. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, staying up to date. Uh, I'm, I'm actually afraid to update my Macs, Dave. Why? I mean, you're you're already uh, on the Ever The Evernote bug. Oh, yeah, right. So you can't use the old version of Evernote all that well but it, that part actually works fine john um oh, right. I, yeah so what happened in the latest ventura update is it must have taken out some framework that the legacy version of evernote uh, relies on other apps might rely on it too we're, we're deep in the weeds here we're probably in like one percent of the audience that cares about this but uh, the solution for you, John, is run two copies of Evernote, one that we use when doing the show, the very latest one, and one the other one, the old one that we use when when creating the show because we like the Apple script support in there. Really, we should probably move to notes uh, and share our notes that way would be the, the probably the, the right way to do it. We, we just need to experiment with that. Feel free. Uh, ben has a tip for us. I want to make sure I'm pulling up the right one. Right. Yeah, this I. Get another thing I just don't know in Safari on iPhone when the tab bar is visible so you can see like the URL uh, at the bottom there a way to get to the tabs view uh, of all of your open tabs is to swipe up on the address bar this mimics the experience of swiping up on the home bar to reach the app switcher so whereas you would go all the way to the bottom of the screen to uh, swipe up to get to the app switcher you go not quite to the bottom of the screen you go to safari's address bar and swipe up from there to get to the tab switcher uh had no I, this is what we love about quick tips i had no idea it existed so thanks for sharing that with us ben you shared that in our uh in our discord chat because well that's where that's where you shared it so yeah pretty good did you guys know about that one I did not. Yeah. Um, our last quick tip this week, I believe, unless one comes up later and they do, as you know, they're hidden little things. They, they're sneaky. These quick tips, they, they sneak out when you least expect them. Uh, Bav in discord says, did you know, I did not, 
that you can hover your mouse over the download icon and see the actual download speed and progress when you're in the Mac App Store. So, and, and it's great. Like you, you see the little, the little wheel going uh, and you just float over it and it'll say, you know, loading and it, it'll show you the, the progress and the speed and all that stuff. So I don't know. So it's another one of those things. Did you guys know about that one? I, I could have, I thought we covered that on this show at one point. Did we cover it, John? Did, did we cover it? That, um, is that something we'd talked about? Hey, did you know this one, John? We might've. For some reason I knew it and I thought it was, I think I stumbled across it accidentally one time. Yeah. Cool stuff. I love it, but it's still cool. Yeah. Ooh, there's that sound. That sound means I get to tell you about our sponsor, Shady Rays. What's worse than buying a pair of expensive sunglasses and losing them right after you get them? Breaking them is worse. Well, not for me and not for all of you who have already gone and bought Shady Rays. Shady Rays makes high quality sunglasses that are just as good or even better than the expensive ones. And Shady Rays are a fraction of the price. They're durable. They're built to tackle all of life's outdoor adventures. I, my family, we've been using Shady Rays for years because every pair of Shady Rays is backed by their industry-leading lost and broken replacements program. Break or lose your pair the second you take them out of the box, they'll send you a replacement pair, no questions asked. Shady Rays isn't happy unless you're happy. That's why they give you 30 days to try them. And if you don't like them, you can exchange or return them for free. What could be better? Well, what's better than getting one pair of Shady Rays and not worrying if you break or lose them? Getting two! Go to ShadyRays.com slash MGG and use code MGG. And for a limited time, when you buy one pair of Shady Rays, you'll get a second pair free. That's S-H-A-D-Y-R-A-Y-S dot com slash MGG, code MGG, to get a second pair of Shady Rays free. ShadyRays.com slash MGG, code MGG, and our thanks to Shady Rays for sponsoring this episode. I want to tell you about one of the best VPNs out there and easily one of the most affordable ones we've seen, PIA. PIA stands for Private Internet Access, and they take privacy seriously. Not only does PIA hide your IP address, it encrypts your entire connection. And PIA is the world's transparent VPN. They never record or store user data, and their no-logs policy has even been verified in court. You also get endless entertainment options. Not only does PIA work with all the major streaming services, but it's one of the few VPNs that supports P2P file sharing, so you can download just about anything. It's available for all platforms across all your devices, and just one membership can protect up to 10 of your devices simultaneously. PIA is the one I use. I've been using it for, I think, well over a year now. And when I go to turn on a VPN, we were just talking about it, I think, in last week's episode. PIA is the one I use. You can use it, too. Right now, go to PIAVPN.com slash MGG to get a whopping 83% off your VPN service, plus four free months with a two-year plan. It comes out to around two bucks a month. You can't beat that. And there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's PIAVPN.com slash MGG for 83% off private internet access. PIAVPN.com slash MGG. And our thanks to PIA for sponsoring this episode.
And today's episode is also sponsored by Honey, the easy way to save when shopping on your iPhone or your computer. You know how much fun it is when you find a deal, right? Like there's the price. You're kind of ready to pay it, but you're like, is it, could it get better? And then it gets better. And then you feel smart. You feel lucky. You feel excited. I love that kind of stuff. Well, thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Imagine you're shopping on one of your favorite sites. When you check out, the Honey button appears. All you have to do is click apply coupons. You wait a few seconds as Honey processes and searches for coupons that it can find for that site. And if it finds a working coupon, you'll watch the prices drop. I was buying jeans recently. I found some online, hit the little button, boom, saved a bunch of money. They make it super easy. It's cool too, watching it kind of go through and trying the different coupons. As a nerd, I like that. Honey doesn't just work on desktops. It works on your iPhone too. Just activate it on Safari on your phone and save on the go. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and you support us here at the show. Get PayPal Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash MGG. That's joinhoney.com slash MGG. And our thanks to Honey for sponsoring this episode. All right. Uh, let's do some questions, shall we? Uh, shall we, guys? Let's, um, let's go to Raymond, John. I think. Poor Raymond. I, I, um, I I'm having a strange problem with my Apple TV HD in my family room. I bought this Apple TV in November 2015, so it's old. Um, I have it hooked up with Ethernet direct from my Files router. So this problem is new, and it's just started about two months ago. When watching Apple TV+, Plus, the show will stop, and you get the spinning beach ball icon for up to a minute or more before it plays again. It can happen several times during the show. This will happen also while watching Disney as well. I did not check Netflix. The Apple TV has worked fine for over seven years until now. Now I have two other Apple TVs in this house hooked up to Ethernet, and they work fine with no problem. So what to do? I disconnected the Ethernet and connected the Wi-Fi on this Apple TV in the family room, and now no more problems. Strange. It sounds like an Ethernet problem with this Apple TV. What do you think? Uh, I've had similar issues, Dave, and I hate to suggest it, but settings, system, reset uh, can get things back in a known state. Yeah, I, I mean, it, that might do it. it. It's what he's experiencing is is, you know, buffering, right, which mm -hmm. is when the there is not enough bandwidth to deliver the content uh, fast enough to, to keep you watching in a steady uninterrupted stream. Right. So it has to stop, wait for more data to come in and then it goes uh, switching you, you, to, you know, network interfaces. Interesting. Uh, so like, that's the part where I'm a little confused because I would think that in general, ethernet's going to be more reliable than Wi-Fi. However, faster. It, well, I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like Wi-Fi can be faster, not on a, a eight-year-old Apple TV, but, um, but maybe it, you know uh, that that Apple TV has a hundred megabit per second Ethernet port, not a gigabit Ethernet port, so its Wi-Fi could be faster. But like for four K from Netflix, you need twenty-five megabits per second. So 
even 100 megabit Ethernet is way more than fast enough, right, to do that. So, and that's a 4K Atmos stream. If you're watching 1080p on on Netflix, I think it's only like, uh, you know, six megabits per second. It's like way, 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 way less. So it's weird that you're getting that. You know me, I like to dig into stuff. And so I would, uh, there is a speed test app for the Apple TV uh, from the same Ookla people that make speed test for our phones and our Macs and all that stuff. Uh-huh. I love to have the speed test app on my Apple TV because it helps me answer exactly these things. And it tells me what my Apple TV is seeing. And now that I put ethernet in the house, like I'm getting, I used to get like 800 megabits over the Mocha connection, uh, which is pretty good. Uh, but you know, the, the latency would be sort of variable because Mocha is a little bit weird. It's not terrible, but it's a little weird. Uh, now that I've got ethernet running there, it's, I get full 940 in both directions, 940 megabits up and down and five milliseconds solid of, uh, you know, latency. That's it. But, like being able to know that is really handy and sure you could plug your computer in and do the speed test on that, but that doesn't tell you what your Apple TV sees. And so in, in uh, Raymond's case, I would say do the, do the speed test app on there and do it once with, with plugged into ethernet and then change over to Wi-Fi and run the speed test app again and see like, maybe there's something wrong with the ethernet connection. Could be the port on the Apple TV, could be the port on the switch that you're using, could be the cable in between the ports so, but that's a good way to diagnose. I don't know. This is, this is how Dave's brain works. Um, and it could be the app. I was having issues with the CW mm-hmm. app where when I tried to navigate and like go from one button to another, it would bounce back. And I'm like, no, no, go, go here. And it's like, no, I'm not. Yeah. That's true. The app. So I deleted the app and reinstalled it and problem. Oh, so apparently it, it has gone away. It truly was the app and not the service behind the app, mm-hmm. right? Huh? Correct. Interesting. All right. Yeah. That's a great. Yeah, that's a great thought. I hadn't even thought of that. Yep. Yep. Time for a new Apple TV. That's all. It is time for. I mean, <laughs> like the new Apple TV is really nice. It's fast. And there you go, Raymond. New Apple TV. You can yeah. send your old ones to Pilot Pete. At- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. The, I mean, the, the yeah, the new Apple TV. It, it does make a difference with some apps. The the faster uh, the faster CPU. I found that on. You know, I'm a big channels user and channels DVR user and the channels app. I think they fixed it, but there was a period of time when I first started using channels a couple of years ago. I had basically the same Apple TV that you had, I think, uh, Raymond, and or at least certainly an old one. And I was like, gosh, you know, if I'm doing it, if I set it this way, it skips frames and this, that and the other thing. And of course, the channels uh, developers are very active in their community. And so I posted this and, you know, within about. 40 seconds i got a response it was almost like i was texting with them and they're like wow we haven't tested it on that old apple tv in a long time but they were really interested they're like all right well let's look and let's see and they did they found some optimizations that they could do they're like oh yeah we never thought about that so they rolled that in but it's like you know if i'm going to be relying on my apple tv this much maybe it's time to upgrade to you know the, the current one so so i did um Unfortunately, channels uh, NBC has made some changes recently, Pete, uh, for mm-hmm. us channels users that might that are at least temporarily bad, meaning that they've added DRM to their TV everywhere streams, 
Oh, and, interesting. Uh, I haven't had an NBC issue yet, but... I, I, we don't yet hear in our locale. It seems like people on the uh, West Coast, some okay. people on the West Coast uh, of the United States are. So uh, I just, okay. I share that. Yep. Yeah. Because the, 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 the local Fox is difficult on on my channel stream. Do you get... I, I have no problem with Fox. Um, I have, I had... YouTube TV though. You're using... I'm using Fubo. Fubo. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I had issues with ABC authenticating mm. up until recently, and then that went away. But that was like a, a – it was fascinating. ABC would not – I have a Fubo account that I pay for, and I have a DirecTV stream account that they provide to me for free. I don't know how long they're going to provide it to me for free, which is why I continue to pay for Fubo. But I, every month or every quarter when it still is free, I keep thinking maybe I should just stop paying for Fubo. But I haven't yet. So I have both. But it's a it's been a good test because yeah. Fubo is my primary. Could not authenticate to ABC with Fubo. Direct TV stream authenticates fine with channels right. to, to ABC. But now Fubo does. Like there was a, a week about a month ago, there was like a week period where neither would authenticate to ABC. And I was like, oh, man, this sucks. Yeah. And then now they both do. So I don't know. Like, who knows? Once, yeah. So we, like I say, ours is the, the Fox. We, we don't generally get, usually it's off the air, I guess I should say. Interesting. Then, oh. But the ABC affiliate in, you know, in Manchester, New yeah. Hampshire, we don't yeah. get, we get the one out of Portland. Yes, because I get the, YouTube TV gets us out of Portland instead of WMUR in Manchester. So, I, oh, okay. I, I've, I've gotten, <laughs> I've seen that too. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. Deb likes to watch the uh, local news. Sure. Therefore we have to switch out of channels and onto YouTube TV. There you go. There you go. All right. And then there's the, uh, oh, I was going to oh. say, just real quickly, there's some other, I, I, I was looking around for some M3U files to use with channels. Yes. And it turns out there's some IPTV services out there. Uh, they may be less than legal, it turns out, however. What? I didn't find that out until, well. I, say it see, ain't so, yeah. Pete. So, well, <laughs> I didn't find that out until I, until I started paying with, playing with it a little bit. And then I, I did some more research on it and went, oh. Okay, that's why I can't get a decent guide or anything. So yes. I immediately, I mean, hey, fourteen days money back. I, I within hours, I went. I want my money back. I'm done. I'm out of here. I don't, right, right, right. I don't need to mess with it because I'm paying for it. So. Yep, yep, yep. But, yeah, interesting. So be careful out there. I, I get. I hear tell of people being fined for using those. Oh, that's not interesting. The, not just the providers, but the and, and that's overseas. It isn't here yet. Got it. Got but, it. Okay. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Sorry. Interesting. No, don't apologize. This is like, it's what we do. It's fun. We're having fun, right? That's the point. It's what we do. That's what we do. I need, yeah, it's good. Uh, All right, Phil, right? We're done with, uh, we're done with Raymond, John. Is that Mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Phil says, asks, posits, perhaps. I might be dating myself. Oh, I, I, uh, he says i might be dating myself (laughs) but but hearing uh my name in question on the podcast reminds me of hearing my name on the radio well you're welcome welcome to kmgg or wmgg i guess we're on the the east coast so yeah uh he says uh i love it and i'm loving the 14 inch macbook pro the display is amazing obviously the speed is awesome as well one question i have is with these new machines uh, it has such great battery life how should one care for the battery these days? I recall with earlier uh, Apple laptops, it would be good to have something like fruit juice or coconut battery to regulate the usage and maintenance cycle. Do you know of any recommendations for the batteries with Apple Silicon chips? 
So, um, the, 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 this is what I'm about to share is not unique to Apple Silicon chips. Like Apple's done great with battery management for many years. And so we can go back to, you know, some of the later year Intel based laptops as well with this advice and the advice is you don't really need to do anything. Like there's not much to do. The one thing I would avoid, and this is just sort of a generic thing is I would avoid keeping a laptop plugged in a hundred percent of the time, because if the day ever comes where you want to not use it plugged in, that's when you may have created some battery issues. But even then, like the way Apple's battery management and battery technology, like a combination of software and hardware, the thing, AKA the thing Apple's really, really good at uh, is something you just like, there's, there's not much we can do in addition to what's already happening on the devices to, to, to manage those things. It's not bad. Fruit juice has been end of life, so that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but coconut batteries still exist. It's not a bad tool to run. It gets you some valid data and it can can log data over time so you can see how things are progressing and at what rate things might be dwindling. Your battery capacity is going to dwindle. That's just normal. Uh, so uh, but it's it's all pretty mitigated these days. So, you know, I that's, well, even the phones, if you're not yeah. careful, I, I think you yeah. experienced the one and we talked about it where, you know, it'll it'll wait until late in the night, early in the morning to finish charging all the way up. The one interesting one I found though, is that if I set my AirPods pro on a Qi charger, that thing gets hot and heat is the enemy of all batteries. So I've started just using the lightning cable to plug, to charge my uh, AirPods pro to second generation. Oh, so you're not charging them wirelessly. The AirPods. I, I can, but yeah, yeah they get hot. hot. It gets really hot. And, uh, I, yeah, I'm it gets hotter than the phone does, which is m much interesting. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm just thinking that maybe there's something going, there's not the battery management smarts going on in that little thing. Well, it might just be that there's, there's more insulation between the. Very good point. Especially with a case. With a case. Oh, do you have a case on your AirPods Pro? On my phone. I do. I have both actually. Yeah. So it's probably the case on your AirPods Pro is adding to that. Uh, because I mean, it's, you know, it's, the heat. right. Yeah. Well, and also it, it, you're, more heat's going to be absorbed by the materials between the two cheek coils. Right. So mm -hmm. if you add more material, more heat mm -hmm. gets absorbed. Sure. Uh, well, yeah. It's just like, that's just how it is. So yeah. Interesting. But yeah, that's, that's, that's been my experience. John, you've got a late model Intel laptop. Like, are, do you do anything? Do you find the need to do anything with your battery? Um, no, I pretty much leave it plugged in all the time when I'm near power. And, and that hasn't been bad for you. Right. Nope. That's good. You know, I thought there were some settings, maybe they were on the previous OS. Yeah. They seem to be gone now. Optimized battery charging. Um, I think, I think that was the only setting, but I think that's the, uh, uh, Monterey thing. So for, for your Mac, they're gone. I, I there might be some, I think there's it, with an Intel Mac, you're Pete, you're on an Intel Mac on Monterey right now on Ventura right now. Right. Uh, no, I'm on a M one. That's what I mean. That, I, that, yeah, yeah. I, I, you, you answered the question yeah. I asked. 
<laughs> I don't still don't know why you didn't read my mind here, Pete. I, I, but, right? Uh, not what I meant, not what I said. That's right. So uh, check in the battery preference yep. pane. Looking at that. Do yep. you have the option of telling it to like optimize charging? Optimize and- battery charging, yeah. So yeah. Uh, settings, uh, battery, battery health. The third one down is optimize battery charging to reduce battery aging. Your Mac learns from your daily charging routine, so it can wait to finish charging past 80%. Until you need to use battery, and I do have that. In fact, yeah, hold on, yeah, yeah. The but at uh, seven, let's see, seventeen months, maybe eighteen months old. Uh, my maximum capacity is ninety percent. This is a measure of battery capacity relative to when it was new. Lower capacity may result in fewer hours between charges. Got it. That being said, <laughs> I go all day on this thing unless I'm really crunching video or something like that. These M ones are. All day machines. Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. just they 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 run and they, they run and they run. What's they it? Like the go. Energizer Bunny, they run and run. Yeah, that's great. They that's great. Going. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, things we can do to keep our Macs running well, um, John Steve had a a tip for us all. Yeah. Yeah, this one's bizarre. Um, I agree. I've been beating my head against the wall to figure out why I ran out of storage on my MacBook. Pro M1 16-inch 2021. I ran Onyx and cleaned my Mac with its various categories and could not reduce the 890 gigabytes of data. Whoa. Um, I only have a one terabyte drive. When I ran Space Lens, it showed the 890 gigabytes was in cores. What is cores? Uh, I found an article that said the cores folders were um, OS 10 stores core dumps. These are files that are intended for developers to troubleshoot and diagnose faults in their software. They are generated as software crashes. If you're not a developer or aren't testing them, then these files serve no purpose for you. The article said it was okay to delete cores um, and had a way to stop generating cores with the terminal commands. So I did this and now I only have 35 gigabytes in system data. I hope this helps others with similar issues. Huh. I just checked to make sure I, 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 I don't even, I was not aware that my Mac even had a slash cores folder. So this is literally at the root of your hard drive. It is named cores, all lowercase. And it is where Unix in general does stores its core dumps when an app crashes and, and, you know, it'll put the, the dump of, of your entire memory footprint in there so that, you, you know, as a developer, you can go and, and poke through it and see what went wrong at the time that the app, you know, dumped. But I, I've never, I've never seen anything in that folder on my Mac. I've seen it on like some of the Unix servers that we've run over the years. And, and when, it, when there's stuff there, it's bad. Like, cause it's like, Oh, why is Apache dying? Like, I remember this when I used to have to compile my own, like from hand, I, I would have to compile my own version of Apache. Like before there were package managers on Linux and all that stuff. And I, I, like I definitely would cause a core dumps all the time. Cause I didn't know what I was doing. I'd just be like, well, I, we need these modules. So put them in, let's go. And like, Nope. All right. Well, what did I do wrong? You know, um, I've never seen that on the Mac, but yeah, with all the, with all the Ram that we have now, every core dump is, you know, if you got 16 gigs of Ram, well, it's 16 gig core dump next. <laughs> so yeah, I always thought there was another place where it would store core dumps, but I can't recall off the top of my head, huh. but, um, 
I do have a chorus folder on my Mac. It is empty, but it oh is, yeah, I did the same there. thing. I looked yeah. at both of my machines, and there was a chorus directory, but no data in it. So yeah, yeah, exactly. In, in, so what I was going to bring up to people how, how to get there and see them because it is a hidden folder. Um, and I'm looking in Finder, and I'm not seeing the setting where you know show hidden folders. Is that a uh, terminal command? Is that how I did that? I'm just going in there in the terminal. So I open up the terminal and I type cd. Uh, all everything that I'm saying right now is lowercase cd to change directory space slash cores c o r e s, and that brings me there. Okay. So, well, yeah. somehow I have my hidden files and folders displayed in Finder, and I don't oh. know what. What I did yeah, there it's is. No, it used to be an option back in the day. It is no longer an uh, option. No, not those folders. I think you'd have to do it with Onyx. There's a terminal command yeah. or Onyx. Could That's where it was. It. it was an Onyx. There's a checkbox in there Co- where you correct. can say, hey, display hidden. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Which reminds they me. They hide them for a reason, so be very yeah. ginger. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Poking around in your hidden folders. That was an interesting thing. When I did my little you know, temporary experiment, when I rolled my data volume back from Ventura to Monterey, mm-hmm. I had to go download the Monterey-specific version of Onyx. It is not a monolithic app. It is an operating system-specific versioned app. So you have mm-hmm. to run the one that is specific to your OS. Because like, I went to run it and it was like, this won't run on this wrong OS. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah that's right. That's, boy, that's an essential though right there. Yep. You know, clean yep. my Mac, Onyx. Yipper. C Cleaner is the other one. C Cleaner. Do you ever use that? C Cleaner. Yeah. C Cleaner, which is short for crap cleaner. But C is cleaner. that right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it does a nice job of cleaning up. The- <clears throat> I don't know that I've ever used C Cleaner, Pete. No. no. Oh. I was it. poking around and there's another place you can look. It's a home folder. Library logs, diagnostic reports, or no, or just library logs is another place where macOS uh, may store things that could get out of control. Yeah, fair. I, I remember having a Skype log. I had turned on like Skype debug logging or something, uh, you know, because we worked with them early, early mm-hmm. on in the, the show. And for a long time, we used Skype as our VoIP engine between us. And we had to work with Skype to turn off some of their... Skype actually had a comfort noise generator. Um, what a comfort noise generator was for was all of us who were used to talking on copper-based landline phones because there would be noise on the line. And uh, when Skype first started out, people weren't used to hearing silence on the line. And so they would think the other person hung up and they would stop talking and be like, are you there? Are you there? Are you there? And it would make them uncomfortable. So Skype actually added a white noise generator into Skype that they called the comfort noise generator. Uh, It's gone now, thank goodness. But when you're doing that for a podcast, adding in hiss is kind of a bad idea. So we had to work with them to turn it off. And I had these debug logs on and forgot about it. And then one day it was like, oh, yeah, that's 25 gigs. Like, oh, I should turn that off. So, And then... uh but thinking of that now, Allison wrote in with the name of it, and I can't think of the name of it now. There was a hush, hush. That's it. <laughs> Came in, there you go. Yep. So if you do have that comfort noise and you want it out of your recordings, use hush, and it removes the background noise. Yes, we will put hush in the. We've talked about hush on the hush on yeah. the show before, but we yeah. will uh, we will put it put it in the link again. It's at hushaudioapp.com. All right. Um, 
speaking of audio, Pete, you want to take us to Jess's question? Jess. Yeah, let me pull that one up. So Jess wrote in, uh, my question is, uh, or I found five podcast a few months ago. I really enjoyed it. Appreciate everything I've learned from it. My question is, is there a way to get the S lady to read an entire email? I have looked at settings and nothing really seems to work. I seem to remember many versions ago, she used to have that capability. Now she only reads a line or two. Well, you're doing better than me, Jess. Uh, I spend a lot of time in my vehicle and work, and it sure would be useful if she could read an entire email. Um, and so I played with it a little bit. I know John answered this question as well and, and played with it a little bit, and we just couldn't get her to cooperate. Uh, the closest thing I could find was under settings, accessibility, spoken content, enable speak screen, and speak selection. Uh, it still requires some screen touching, which is less than ideal to say the least when you're driving. Uh, so uh, 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 it, it, it gets the voice to read the text that's on the screen. A Siri, I'm oh, sorry, S Lady continues, however, to stubbornly announce there's nothing to read on the screen when an email is open and you ask it to read it to you. Um, I have a link in the show notes uh, with better for clarification. It's the iGeeksblog.com, how to get Siri to read emails, articles, web pages, iPhone, and iPad. Uh, it is, at best, uh, frustrating. Uh, there, But there is, once you do those settings that I just talked about, you can swipe down from the top of the screen with two fingers, and there's a play box comes up, and you can hit play and change the speed and that sort of thing, and it will read it. But boy, is it frustrating when you ask, you know, hey, read the screen, but there's nothing on the screen to read. Actually, there is. I'm looking right at it. Stop it. Interesting. Yeah, I had the same thing. I was like, you know, I brought up an email and then I said, read this email. And she's like, oh, you have 2,500 emails. And I'm like, that's not what I asked you. Oh, she was going to read all of your email, not just the she's one. telling us how many she Not the she one had. that she was like right it. in front of me. Yeah. Interesting. So, so Interesting. they got to fix that. And if you yeah, say yeah, read yeah. the screen, and if and it's not like the home screen, or which is just the accessibility, I get it for someone who's visually impaired trying to navigate around on their screen, and when they touch certain parts of the screen, it will read, "Hey, this is what's on the screen." Yeah, right. If you've got an email up and say read the screen, it stubbornly comes back and says, "Oh, there's nothing on the screen to read." <sighs> yeah, looking right. Siri's gotten dumber. We, we talked yeah. about this in the last Amen. episode about the. Um, when I was ranting about, uh, about AI the elevation, no, yes. about that. I figured out the problem it, in our discord chat. Okay. Somebody said, oh yeah, I ran into the same thing. And so I found or created a shortcut that, that, you know, tells me the elevation. And they said the, and the part that sort of caught my, uh, my eye was whoever it was in our discord that said, this said, I, uh, I named the shortcut. What's the elevation. And I'm like, well, you can't name a shortcut something that is already in uh, a, a Siri function because it, it'll, you know, they'll fight with each other. So before I installed the shortcut, I was sitting at my desk, not in my car, screen on. And I asked Siri, what's the elevation? And it said, I don't understand that request. So, like, it's not even that it couldn't read it to me in the car. It's that. Siri no longer has the ability to access that data natively. And she used to, 
So like, right. so I installed the, the shortcut and now it reads me my elevation happily. Cause it, you know, it's like the shortcut does its magic. So like, why is it getting dumber? This is not a good look for Apple, especially in today's AI world where, right. right? Like, yeah, I don't know. We'll but I, I can only imagine. I mean, AI is so much more difficult than it, it seems intuitive to us. It's what we do every day. Yes. We, we are learning beings and it, it's very frustrating that these devices, which are so much faster at calculating <laughs> than we are and crunching That's data. all they're good at. They're not smart. They're right. good they're and not, they're fast. That's the point. And, and so making them smart, I think, is a monumental problem, obviously, yeah. is evidence. Yeah. But but I think you're right. It appears that, that this assistant is getting much dumber while the other two, A-Lady a, a and Google, are excelling. And Apple better catch up. I, I bet they've got a team working on it, but... Uh, clearly yeah they're not dumb people at apple so no. yeah 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 and they're 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 aware of their competition yeah so all right uh john you want to take us to deborah sure now, while we're on the email subject mm -hmm. uh deborah says i haven't given serious thought to archiving emails since the demise of eudora oh wow that's a week or two ago i used to like uh, <laughs> i used to use that uh, but I find for a variety of reasons that I should clear an accumulation of email out of my system folder. There's uh, been talk over the years on MacGab about archiving email. Mostly, though, I can recollect talked about archiving it within Apple's email app, so it's no longer on the IMAP server, but not about archiving it right out of the system folder. Uh, ideally, so that it would still be accessible and searchable if needed. Any thoughts? And maybe I misunderstood this question, um, Dave, and you can help me out here. But um, so there is, uh, with IMAP, there is, you'll see an archive folder. Yep. Which actually I should probably use at some point and put old stuff in there so that searches and other mailboxes speed up. But um, I don't think it removes it from the IMAP server if you do that. Um. I verified this by checking my various email accounts on the web, and sure enough, the IMAP or the archive folder is there. Um, but it's probably not a bad idea to move all the emails, as I said. If you were not want to clear out your email database, uh, may I suggest Mail Steward? This program has been around for ages. Um, and its purpose is to take your email and and remove it from your main email account. And then um, you can use their program uh, to search, which I think was indicated as a requirement here. So that's one option. But then Dave, you came up with another very clever option. Well, and I mean, I think it's something that, that Deborah's already doing, but just while we're, while we're having the conversation, I, you know, I, I have used mail steward in the past, but I've never actually moved things into it and had that as the only place they exist. And, and it's just because I'm nervous about, I, I have had moments where there is huge value in being able to go back to an email from, you know, 10 years prior. Right. So I, I've had enough of these where I know that I will probably want that again in the future and relying on a single app that is developed by a 
single developer or a small development shop, I'm not sure how big they are, but you know, uh, to be around and updated in 10 years for the latest version then of Mac OS is not something I'm comfortable with. As you said, mail steward has been around for a very long time. My, my concerns are almost certainly unfounded. Um, and I do recommend mail steward very often, but I haven't been able to bring myself to, to use it. And really, maybe I should reach out to them. Maybe I'll share this segment with them and see if, if there is something about my concerns that is truly unfounded, if they say, okay, well, look, if mail steward goes away, here's how you would access the data in the mail steward database uh, in, in sort of a, an open way. Uh, because of that, I still keep everything in mail on one computer. I have, you know, my entire life's email archive is still there. And it is the reason that I need to ha keep getting larger and larger boot drives on my office Mac because my email archive simply cannot move off of it. And what I do is I store them on my Mac. So not on the IMAP server where I have, you know, limited storage or storage that I would have to pay for to increase. I store it uh, on my Mac and you can create uh, an archive folder or any folder you want. I have actually a series of folders because having one folder for, Several decades worth of email would probably be a nightmare. Um, I don't think mail would index it very well. So I have a folder per year for all my sent mail for that year and all my archived mail for that year. And uh, and so I just, you know, have a folder like I just created the one for actually I actually just created the one for 2022, although I generally don't archive that recently. I found some things that I, it's just simpler. But, you know, I, I can go and look in my archive 2019 folder and see my mail from 2019 or my sent archive 2019 folder. And you do this um, by going into mail, going to mailbox and say new mailbox. And you get to pick the first thing. The first option it asks you for is location. And you can choose your IMAP server or a sub mailbox of your IMAP server. And if you have multiple IMAP servers, of course, you will see them there. And then you have an on my Mac folder generally at the bottom and you can start adding things uh, to uh, to the on my Mac folder. And and, it, you know, so that's what I've done is I add mailboxes in the on my Mac folder. They're only on that Mac. So, you know, this is where backups start to become even more important. But uh, but yeah, that's that's how I do it. And it, it works well for me that the archive by year, I will share that when you're moving, when I'm moving an entire year's worth from say my, you know, fast mail, my IMAP archive, it doesn't matter what the provider is, my IMAP archive to my, on my Mac archive, it can take a very long time, like hours. Uh, I generally try and leave it overnight, but sometimes I will do, you know, three months at a time just because that way if things, you know, sort of hiccup or break and I need to quit mail, I sort of, I'm not I, like, I'm hedging my bets. So, but it's, it's, you know, it's not all that often that I do this. It's maybe truly once a year. So, you know, I'll move, you know, the first quarter of a year into archive and then the second quarter and the third quarter. And that's just because mail and the whole IMAP thing, it takes some time for it to do that. If you are doing this with Gmail, however, moving it out of your archive folder will not delete it from Gmail. It will simply remove the archive tag from that message on Gmail and it will still be in your all mail folder and will not 
re- reduce the amount of storage that you're using. So you have to go into Gmail and with a very carefully crafted search, find all of the messages that are only in all mail, but you can't, you can't do it that way. So like if I just moved, say 2019 into my archive, my on my Mac archive folder, I would go to Gmail and I would craft a search. I have one. I will, I will share the, 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 you know, the sort of the bones of this, the foundation of this search. And then you'd modify it for your own thing. But it's, you know, messages before uh, the beginning of 2020, right? Because I want everything because I presumably if I just moved 2019, I already have 2018. That's how I do things. So I would look for all messages before January 1st, 2020 that aren't that don't have the label of inbox that don't have the label of archive that don't have the label of sent. And I kind of have to be sort of meticulous and and a little bit uh, obsessive about it to make sure I'm excluding everything that's not already in my archive folder on my Mac. I'll put a link, uh, not a link. I will put the, the, the search query in the, uh, in the show notes. Um, I'm making a note for myself to go. Back. I can do that later because I got to dig and find it. I do keep, it. Well, we do it and talk, right? It's- yeah. And I, well, I keep this in my, actually I keep it in Evernote, which I'm tr- again, trying to move over to notes. Um, but, uh, and maybe it's, yeah. maybe I've moved it. Maybe I've moved that one over, but yeah, that's, it, it, it's, it's, it's one of the few times where I, I, I sort of grumble about Gmail because it's, because they don't do IMAP mailboxes. They do labels that are mapped to mailboxes. And so things can be in multiple places. It's, it's a nightmare, but anyway, so anyway, too bad. It's such a good free service. <laughs> That's the thing. Well, that's the Get thing. Away is, from it, you know. Yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, I use, I, I do use fast mail for my primary mailbox now, but I, I, everything else is Gmail. So I'm, st- I still have to live in this world. It's, it's yeah. not like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't left it. So, my, my search definitely still works properly as of a couple of months ago. But, but if you don't understand it, ask before you rely on it. Um, we are happy to answer questions. Ask in our Discord at macgeekab.com slash Discord. Send us an email. Feedback at macgeekab.com. Like, we're happy to help. Well, we're feedback at macgeekab.com. I think he said feedback at macgeekab.com. Uh, I did. Shall we go to Jurgen? Yeah. Alright, here's a good one. Um, you might remember me contacting you several times about speed problems from my Mac to my Synology NAS. At different time intervals, the transfer speed will slow down to a crawl. Only rebooting the Mac will get rid of this problem. I thought I should write a script to measure the speed regularly so I can be warned when problems occur. iPerf came to mind, and I was looking into how to use it in a script. I was happy to find a Python library to use iPerf, so I wrote a little Python program that uses iPerf every two minutes to test the speed for three seconds. The results were written to a database. My intention was to find out how often the problem occurred and if there are times when it fixes itself. And now the miracle. I've been running that program for over two months, and now the problem has not occurred once. It seems that testing the speed regularly prevents the problem from happening. Don't know why, but honestly, I don't care as long as it's not happening anymore. Sharing this, hoping to inspire other troubleshooters, similar problems. Wow. And I love this, Dave, because um, I'm going to share a little term here that I learned back in my software days. Um, it sounds like a Heisenbug. You said Heisenbug? Yes. And what is it? Yeah, what's uh, a Heisenbug? A Heisenbug 
is a software bug that disappears or alters its behavior when one attempts to probe or isolate it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I it love it. every time. In aviation, too. Yeah. You know, call the mechanic. They come up to fix it. It fixes itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I experienced this at home. My, my uh, Lisa, my wife, hates, loves and hates this. She will have a problem with her computer. She will ask me to come over and look at it. And as soon as I touch it, it goes away and, and, and remains away. And she's like, I hate that, that this is how it is. She's like, I tried for days to fix this. I'm like, yeah, that's just how it goes. I'm like, but you know, it's good. Like, we, you know, we, we, uh, my, my consulting business supported our family for, for many years. So like, all, all you had to do was show up. All I had to do was show <laughs> up. They were only all that easy, right? I'll show up and collect a check, Pete. You got to get right. paid. If you're a consultant, you do not forget to bill your clients. Remember I talked about how I had ethernet installed in my house. That was exactly a month ago today. As of the day we're recording this. Uh, I still have not gotten a bill from that electrician. He had two guys here all day. I'm kind of scared to see what the bill is to be yeah, perfectly right. candid. Uh, I'm going to pay it. it like I'm not, it's yeah. fine. Like I, I knew what their hourly rate was coming in and I, I can do math. Uh, so I have the money saved aside, but, uh, you got to bill your, your clients, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this, this happens all the time. Okay. So that's, that's an expected behavior. then. <laughs> the Heisenberg right. is expected. behavior. <laughs> right. Yeah. I like it. Well, that, there, there's, there's our show title. I like it. Yeah. All right. So this is super freaky though, because I had this almost exact thing happen two days ago. Um, my, my daughter who lives in Italy, I mentioned I had to go over there, you know, Dave, the nerd, the, the business had to go and, and fly to Italy to help her fix her uh, Plex streaming problem. Yeah. She moved all of her, all of the, the home internet over there. It's all, you know, 5G or, or 4G, but um, it's all, you know, nobody has like cables to their house or anything. It's all just, just, uh, you know, mobile data to your, to your thing, uh, or at least for her. Maybe people who own their own homes, but she, you know, they, they live in apartments that they rent or whatever. So they, they recently moved and started having Plex problems, but nothing, no other service was having problems, right? Like, you know, uh, Netflix, Disney, all totally fine. Streaming from our Plex server here, she would get buffering, like terrible, terrible buffering. Uh, and she had to like slow it down to, you know, almost unwatchable in order to even be close to reliable. I have gigabit fiber here. So like, that's not a problem. Like my, you know, my generically, my speed out of the house is, you know, the speed of ethernet, which is as we previously discussed way faster than she would need. So I said, all right, let's carve out some time. Uh, we will, you know, we'll, we'll test. So we did a screen share. All right. The first thing I want to do is cause I'm like, this is happening on your TV and your computer, right? She's like, yep. Same in both. I'm like, okay, great. So we can test from your computer. We don't have to try and like, you know, get crazy, set up a zoom thing. Uh, zoom is great for tech support. Cause you can share screen, you can control the screen. And so we ran a speed test in the same browser that she's using to, you know, try and watch. And I was like, yep. Okay. Yeah. It's speed test is totally fine. Like she was getting, I don't know, 40 megabits down or something. It's like, yeah, it's more, way more than you would ever need. And, uh, so I'm like, okay, well I run an iPerf server on my Synology disk station here at home and I have it very secretly exposed to the outside world. 
It's not on the normal port. It's like very much hidden. But So what port is that, Dave? Correct. Sorry. Uh, and so <laughs> I'm like, great. Let's install iPerf on her Mac in Italy and do an iPerf test to me. Like, let's quit. Because I started doing speed tests because the first one we did was like, to you know, it picks some server in Italy, like like it would normally would. Like, all right, let's pick the same one that I ch- that I connect to when I do a speed test in Portland, Maine. So she connected to that, and it was a little slower. It was you know maybe thirty megabits a second or something. I was like, okay, but still way that's faster. Plenty. Yeah, it's plenty, right? Like, and that's the one that I connect to, and I see full gigabit traffic. I'm like, so like, th- th- there's there's no extra hops here. So. We did, but I'm like, still just test directly to the same disk station that Plex is streaming from. Like, let's really do this. And so she set up an iPerf thing and we did some iPerf tests because there's publicly available iPerf servers like throughout Italy. We did some there. We did some in, 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 you know, the UK, which is where it would hop through. We looked at trace routes, looked at all this stuff. Finally had her just do iPerfs directly to my server here and same 30 megabits a second. It is interesting. Like everywhere she would do a speed test. The first two seconds would be really fast. And then there would be like a second or maybe even two of no data. And then it would settle in and be totally solid. So there's clearly some provider uh, created buffering or whatever that, you know, it lets you do like a quick little burst and then it throttles you to whatever, you know, speed they pay for or whatever, which is fine. Okay, great. Thank you. But we could watch it. It was very consistent. She's literally doing speed tests to my house. Okay, great. And I'm like, all right, well, now that we've sort of answered all these questions, let's open up Plex on your computer and and start to stream. And I'll watch the Plex server from here. And we'll, you know, we'll see if we can discover what's going on. Because nobody else has problems with the Plex server like this, you know. And so it's like, it's just her. And the problem wouldn't happen. And it's still days later has not happened. So could what, be just me, but it sounds like a Heisenberg to me. Well, that's the thing is like <laughs> Jurgen used iPerf to solve his Mac to Synology speed issue. I used iPerf to solve an Italy to Durham, New Hampshire <laughs> speed issue. And I said to sky, I'm like, well, you know, maybe I'm like, you know, we sort of talked about how the internet works and it's built to route around uh, you know, damage and and that's the beauty of TCP and all of that stuff. She's like, oh, I never realized. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool. And I'm like, so maybe doing these speed tests direct between us, maybe that caused some router in the middle, some switch in the middle to reorient itself on our behalf. Like, who knows? Like these things are constantly reevaluating themselves. All the, you know, the BGP packets that are floating around out there, they tell each, the routers communicate to each other and switches communicate to each other and all this stuff. I'm like, maybe we just had to like, you know, sort of force the pipes to clean themselves. It's all black magic and BS, Dave. Exactly, (laughs) Pete. And, but I have no other way to explain this. Like the day before we did this test, the night before, you know, 12 hours before we did this, Things were awful for her. And since we did this, it's been totally fine. And it's very much the same thing Jurgen did. That's the part right. that's a little bit who, freaky. Who knows? Somebody out there knows Somebody how knows. and why this worked. Somebody's right. a networking expert. I understand that the, the plural providers. of anecdote is not data, but feedback at MacGeekab.com because this is a little weird. <laughs> a little weird. Yeah. 
But clearly expected. But clearly expected. Yeah. 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 <sighs> Super weird. All right. Uh, Alex has a tip for us. We're just going to, I think we just plow through some of these questions and I, I think we'll do some cool stuff found next week. Does that, does that work you guys? I'm, you're, <clears throat> I'm having fun. You got it. Yeah. I man. needed a fun day. I don't know why, man, for the last like couple of months, I've just been like stressed, but not like, like nonspecific stress. Like I, there's nothing, there's nothing in my life that I can point to and say like, oh, well, that was like, you need a float, Dave. I need to I've use been, mine. I got one for Christmas. I've been doing time. floats. I like, uh, I, I, I do floats. I meditate. I see a therapist. I like, I, like all the things it, it's like, I just can't figure out what the thing is. Mm. I don't know, man. I don't know. So, but I've been having fun today. So this is, you know, we're maybe we, right maybe we've, maybe it was a Heisenbug. And as soon as I started talking about it, it went away. There you go. Uh, that's my hope. That's my <laughs> your story and you're stuck with it. You got it. I'm I am stuck with it. This is true. All right. Uh, you going to take us to Alex, John? Yeah. And we'll uh, condense some of this. So uh, he Great. was trying to solve a problem in his iPhone and uh, Wi-Fi. Um, so what he did was, which maybe I would do, is that he went to reset network settings on the iPhone. Uh, unfortunately, it removed all the Wi-Fi passwords from the phone. <laughs> Whoops. Um, which kind of stinks, and I don't understand why this happened. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, sync back with iCloud and get all get all that data, because that's where it lives. It's, it's um, worse than that, usually, because it does sync with iCloud and wipes it out in iCloud. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so I'll condense this and get to the, the, the part of it, but he found a way to solve the problem. Um, and it's kind of funky, but uh, hey, um, on, the, on the Mac, open the app keychain access. Uh, on the left, select the keychain system in the table, right-click on the row with the same name of the Wi-Fi network and copy that item, and then... Then select on the left the keychain iCloud and right click paste. Okay. <laughs> okay, this actually makes sense though. Huh. Yeah, sometimes Yeah, keychain access um is a good utility and it lets you do things like that. And it lets you look at the state of your network and who has what. So Right. And essentially what he's what he's suggesting that he, what he's telling us he did and he's not suggesting anything is there's multiple keychains on your Mac. And one of them mm-hmm. is the keychain that's synced with iCloud. And and if he's acknowledging that these entries were no longer in the iCloud keychain and therefore not synced to all of his devices, but they are still there in his Mac system keychain. And so the idea is manually copy them from the system keychain to the iCloud keychain. I love that. What I want, it's a utility that goes and finds all of what they call in the keychain tool airport passwords in one keychain and copies them to another because that would be super handy to automate this. That would be good. I you know, I wish I'd have seen this before I wound up doing what I did. I mean, you may remember a few weeks back my iPhone would not remember my home network. Okay. Just, just my five gig network 
2.4. Yeah. Every time I'd leave and come back, it would pick that up. Oh, right. But it wouldn't pick it up, you know, and I'm wondering if this would have fixed it. Of course, it's too late now. I already changed the name of my home network to all caps and it works fine. Yeah. But once I change the network name. But that would mean that the entries would still be in your iCloud keychain for the one with, with mixed case. The old network name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you could at least look in your iCloud keychain and, and compare yeah. that to system and and get a sense for sure what might have worked to fix it. And and I, like if you if you see like oh all I would have had to do is delete that I would I would then delete that whatever that might be you know or copy yeah. the thing over or whatever just to clear it out in case in the future. So yeah, no, that's that's a great point. Yeah, because boy was that frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, my own home password in every daggum time I went to use it. Yeah, that's not acceptable because because what that'll tempt you to do is to change your Wi-Fi password to something really simple and short. But of course, you you can't do that because it breaks everything else. Like well, we well there about. was that. Yeah, it does break everything else. <laughs> yeah. But the other problem was I'm not sure it would have remembered the new password, so I just changed the Wi-Fi network name because it was remembering every other Wi-Fi network, just not my home five gig network. Right. Son of a bad word. <laughs> yeah, that's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 But this would have been the right place to look when yeah. we were when we were trying to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Looking and comparing the two keychains on your Mac. Yeah. Interesting. This explains a lot. I you know, I remember coming to your house, John. Uh, not that long ago, it was like, you know, the first time after like, you know, the COVID lockdowns had happened or whatever. And my phone didn't, wouldn't join your Wi-Fi network automatically um, because I had, you know, in the interim there somewhere had done a reset network settings on my phone. Cause sometimes it's just like the thing you have to do to fix like weird cellular problems or whatever, you know, and, uh, but my Mac joined it. And my Mac was also new. Like both of these devices were new since the time, the last time I'd been at your house, I had my, you know, M1 air, which I got obviously during, you know, 2020. And so that was after all the lockdown started and whatever iPhone I had was, was also new. My iPhone wouldn't join my Mac wouldn't. I'm like, okay, why is this? Like, they're both getting this from iCloud. Why isn't the phone getting it from iCloud if my Mac is, but my Mac wasn't. My Mac was getting it from the system keychain that I had migration assistanted over uh, to, you know, from my old laptop to that new laptop. And so I could have repopulated my iCloud keychain from the Mac if I had known that this is how it worked. More ASMR for you as Dave's brain thinks. Uh, here on WMGG. Uh, yeah. Huh. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was Dave's brain thinking silently. But but <laughs> if there's if ever there was a need for the magical bell, that's the magical bell. I feel like we we need like the uh, the achievement unlocked. You know, I don't know. Ooh, yes. <laughs> right. Like this is I, this seems like a big one, John. Uh, it like this solves a problem we've had for a long time because I'm always hesitant to reset network settings because of exactly this. Hmm. The interesting thing is, not being a software engineer, it, it somehow seems that Apple has put this in there, though, to protect that the way this works, works well, but they've put it in there to protect wiping out stuff that you don't want to be wiping out. Well, but it does wipe and, out stuff you don't want to wipe out. 
That's the thing. I yeah. like, but but I think you might be onto something, Pete. I, yeah. I I think they're protecting against something. It's not that because the date yeah. they are wiping out. But I think it's it is that they intentionally don't want this to come back. If you reset network settings, because say your issue, right? Yeah. Couldn't get yeah. to your Wi-Fi network. You reset network settings. If there's a bug in the iCloud keychain for your Wi-Fi network passwords, that's going to sync right back down and you're going to be in the same spot you were. So maybe this is why this happens. It's just the side effect is it wipes it out of iCloud entirely. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I'm guessing this Mac doesn't have much in the way of iCloud pa- of uh, uh, Wi-Fi passwords because it's a fresh install that's only synced. Yeah, I mean, there's some in here, but I can see that they're only the new ones. Like, it's maybe a third of what would be on my other Macs. So, yes, this is fascinating. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Mind-blowing. This... I, this I think it's just hokey design because maybe if something happens that surprises the user, then you, you have failed. (laughs) Well, that's true. Right. 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 Like, like, but I, but I get where you, we as users would simultaneously want all our iCloud network passwords to come in, but also simultaneously not want them to come in. Because if that's where the problem was, like with Pete, you don't want him back. But with, with the rest of the time, you do. So, like, I feel like there's a world where it should say, hey, you just reset network settings. And so this password exists in iCloud. Do you want me to use the one in iCloud or do you want to use the one mm-hmm. that that you're about to type in manually? Like, give the user the choice if they've just reset network settings in the last, you know, X number of hours or something. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like. Like we're going to, we're going to repress your iCloud passwords temporarily here uh, for this network. Like it should tell the user, if the user's gone through a reset network settings, they're already, you know, there is no novice and it might be a novice that does it, but there is no unintention, uh, lack of intention, uh, making up words here, but there's no lack of intention in doing that. Like it warns you several times, like this is going to mess with things. It should say, like, if you've done this in the last hour, like, maybe this is the thing you were trying to mitigate against, and I'm going to tell you that. I, I don't know. I feel mm-hmm. like there's, yeah. Yeah, because I, I agree with you. It's hokey design. It's hokey design. Well. Yeah, there, there you get, you're trying, then software engineers are trying to read our thinking minds. And that ain't. That's the problem is, <laughs> right. Like, we've just come up with scenarios where we want exactly what's there and exactly the opposite of what's yeah. there. Listen. Do what we want it to do, yeah. not what we're telling it to do. Exactly. Read our minds. Right. Right. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. What's that, Pete? I I was just saying, in my own mind, I I bet the music's going to come in. And there it is. It turns out you were correct. I know. It's amazing. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. Thanks for sending in all your questions, your tips. It's amazing. We're so fortunate that we get to do what we get to do here. And that's all because of you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to uh, all of our premium subscribers. If you want to learn more about that at MacGeekGab.com slash premium, we would uh, love that. It is not mandatory, but any support you provide us is, is, is 
appreciated and very much makes a difference here. It truly is a part of the Mac Geek Gab revenue stack. And it takes the entire stack to to keep the show going. So it, it really and you are and you do it like you're it's amazing. So MacGeekUp.com slash premium if you want to learn more about that. Uh, thanks to Cashfly, the folks, the good folks at Cashfly that provide all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. Make sure to check out the other podcasts that we do. I do two others. I do one called Gig Gab for Working Musicians. I do another called Business Brain for Entrepreneurs. Pete does a show called So There I Was with some great aviation stories. I don't want to say it's just for aviation enthusiasts, but by listening, you might become one. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. We're having a ball. We had a guy uh, this week, 88. He's going to be 89 this week. Another another uh, elderly gentleman who has some great memories from the 50s and 60s. Uh, one previous week was uh, actually the one that came out yesterday. He's written five fun books. Amazing. See stories of a U.S. Marine. Met Jack Kennedy. Oh, Jack Kennedy amazing. took his lighter and never gave it back. And never gave it back. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks for hanging out, folks. Thanks for doing all that you do. Thanks for checking out our sponsors, PIAVPN.com slash MGG, ShadyRays.com slash MGG, JoinHoney.com slash MGG. But you can just go to MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors. You see all the deals that are out there, even ones from non-current sponsors. It's great. Love it. John, what's Pete's shirt say? Um, I'm pretty sure it says... Don't get caught. Made on a Mac. That's some good advice.